Tom Swarbrick on LBC. It is 10 to 6. It is a Friday. More of your calls to come in the next hour. But it is that moment of the week where we pause, take a deep breath and listen to the best storytelling you will hear anywhere on the dial. Simon Marks, American Week. Tom, it has happened yet again. For the fourth time in recent weeks, former President Donald Trump is under indictment, this time along with 18 other defendants. The criminal charges were unveiled late on Monday night by Fannie Willis, the district attorney in Fulton County, Georgia. For months, she has led an investigation into alleged election fraud in the state by the Trump campaign. Today a Fulton County grand jury returned a true bill of indictment, charging 19 individuals with violations of Georgia law arising from a criminal conspiracy to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election in this state. If she sounded a touch fraught and tired there, that's because she had endured a rough day. News of the indictment initially leaked via a still unexplained electronic filing of documents on the court's website, even while the grand jury was still taking evidence. The district attorney cannot explain how that happened. Trump's supporters, not unreasonably, smell a rat. But whatever the case, in a midnight press conference, she revealed that Trump is now facing criminal charges in Georgia that are usually reserved for gangland mobsters. Every individual charged in the indictment is charged with one count of violating Georgia's racketeer-influenced and corrupt organizations act through participation in a criminal enterprise to accomplish the illegal goal of allowing Donald J. Trump to seize the presidential term of office beginning on January 20th, 21. Trump's alleged co-conspirators include his campaign advisor Rudy Giuliani and lawyer Sidney Powell. Regular listeners will remember her. She is the unhinged attorney who falsely claimed that Georgia's electronic voting machines were attacked by a massive global conspiracy involving, and I am not making this up, the Venezuelan government, Hungarian financier George Soros, Joe Biden, the Clinton Foundation, the Department of Justice and scores of Republican election officials in Georgia. It was her lunatic claims that influenced Trump to make his infamous phone call to one of those Republican officials, Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. So, look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more that we have. Brad, what are we going to do? We won the election and it's not fair to take it away from us like this. To his eternal credit, Mr. Raffensperger sided with the US Constitution in that call that was made just four days before the deadly January the 6th Capitol Hill uprising. He also told Trump that in fact Joe Biden had won the state. The call is at the heart of the prosecution that Trump now faces in Georgia. The district attorney says she wants all 19 defendants to go on trial together. Good luck 
luck with that. And she says that she wants the trial completed within the next six months. Again, that's never going to happen. I have four of them now, if you look. I mean, this is not even possible. Four over the next last couple of months. Reacting to his fourth set of criminal charges, Donald Trump there on the Fox Business Network in what can hardly be called an interview since his inquisitor was none other than Larry Kudlow, the former chief economic advisor in the Trump White House. There's no basis for him. They want to suppress your voice. They don't want you to ever talk about an election. If you talk about an election, they want to put you in jail. And Republicans can't get let them get away with it. The Republicans have to be tough. The Republicans are great in many ways, but they don't fight as hard for this stuff, and they have to get a lot tougher. Trump, of course, speaks there as the de facto leader of the Republican Party. With every indictment brought against him over the last three months, his lead has grown in the race to become the Republican standard bearer in next year's presidential election. And this week, there was fresh evidence of the extent to which he leads the pack, and it came in the all-important battleground state of Iowa. The Iowa State Fair is always a summertime rite of passage for prospective presidential candidates, and this week it was a nightmare proving ground for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Wherever he went, Trump's distant rival in the race for the party's nomination was surrounded by the frontrunner's supporters. No, it's great to be here. We're really excited to see everybody. We appreciate uh how nice everybody is. Um, great to be in the Midwest. So great to be in the Midwest that his host on the stage, Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds, had to plead with the crowds to give DeSantis a chance. They were not minded to do so. You know what? We're in Iowa, and in Iowa, we're Iowa nice. So let's give everybody the opportunity to hear our candidates. So we'll stop. But we're all going to have an opportunity to hear from each and every candidate. That's what we've been doing. So, okay. Iowa, not so nice. And while that was taking place on the ground, up in the air, the Trump campaign chartered a light plane to fly over the fairgrounds, displaying a banner that read, Be likeable, Ron. The same advice DeSantis's campaign managers have given their candidate, even urging him to write it down on a notepad before every speech. Do you think you're a likable candidate? Now, let's be honest, that's a yes or no question posed to the governor there by Alexis McAdams of Fox News. But here's the answer it elicited. I, I think that's a, that's a narrative. But, you know, when you have Trump doing that, he's got so many people that would never vote for him. And I've seen that in Florida. They want somebody that's going to be in it for them. Uh, and, and our candidacy is really about the, the American people. It's not about me. Uh, it's about them. He can't even bring himself to say that he's likable. There's some extraordinary footage from the State Fair of DeSantis engaging in the time-honored tradition of placing lollipop sticks into boiled eggs. They're called eggs on a stick, and apparently 170,000 of them are served up each year to attendees. DeSantis looks like a man who would rather be gouging his own eyes out with the sticks, and he cannot bring himself to engage in any small talk with any of the voters queuing up to relieve him of the eggs. We haven't seen a presidential candidate so uncomfortable in his own skin since Al Gore, despite what DeSantis backers like donor Pete Snyder claim. No one has a better ground game. He has 120 county co-chairs. There are only 99 counties in Iowa. 
He has the best ground operation and tons of momentum. Momentum indeed, but of the negative variety, one poll this week saw DeSantis slipping into third place behind Indian-American biotech billionaire Vivek Ramaswamy. We'll talk more about him next week because by then the first Republican TV debate will have taken place and it's make or break for the candidates seeking to topple Trump. Trump currently looks set to skip the event even though Fox News executives have personally trekked to to his New Jersey golf club to beg him to take part. Be fair to the guy, he's got a busy schedule. Prosecutors in Georgia have given him until next Friday to surrender to them, and this time there will be cameras in the court. We know where Joe Biden will be on Monday. The people of Hawaii, the entire nation is with you as you recover, rebuild and grieve. You know, as you seek to heal from the loss of family and friends, homes and businesses, and the native Hawaiian history gone forever. But we'll be with you for as long as it takes, I promise you. After spending the week on holiday in Delaware, the president will travel to fire-struck Maui next week, scene of at least 111 fatalities, with the death toll expected substantially to rise. Despite the searing images from Hawaii, the president ignored several early opportunities to address reporters about the loss of life there. And the White House has been under fire over its response to the blazes. It was not the president's finest week, and it served Tom as as a fresh reminder of the woeful choice American voters are soon likely to face. From Washington, D.C., Simon Marks, American Week.